Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got to cover. And now on with the show. My guest today is Dan McGaw. Dan is a 500 Startups mentor and founder of Orlando's First Business Accelerator. He's a CXL instructor and a United States ambassador, ambassador of entrepreneurship. Dan is a MarTech expert, award-winning entrepreneur, speaker, and the CEO of Maga.io, an analytics and marketing technology consultancy and SaaS platform, UTM.io. Thanks so much for being here today, Dan. Hey, how are you today? It's great to be here. I am well, thank you. I am thrilled to have you here. Uh, we are going to be talking today about launching a product and everything that goes on with it. Um, and so I was trying to figure out like where I wanted to start because there's so many questions that, that buzz around about this. Uh, so I think I'm going to start with when a company is building a product, how are they sure they're going to get customers to buy it? Hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, I think is a really, really important question that most people should be asking before they ever build the product. Um, you know, it, there's, there's a famous book out there by Eric Reese, which is uh, the lean startup, which talks a lot yeah. about this, and you know, um, while Eric Reese, of course, has the famous book, you know, there's Steve blank, who kind of built the um, entrepreneur canvas and things like that, uh, that really help you understand if you can build a product uh, that will be successful. And I think uh, an important step that you have is customer development. Um, and you need to be talking with your customers before you ever build your product. Um, and you need to be having them tell you what they're willing to pay for. Um, and you, you have to start there. Don't get me wrong. A lot of companies start the path of building a product, then figuring out if they can sell it. Um, and then they pivot around until they finally are able to make traction. Um, however, if you want to have a successful path and you want to have a successful product, it's really, really important for you to start interviewing potential customers about what their problems are. And by asking them, hey, so when you wake up in the morning, right, what is the hardest thing that you have to do at the beginning of your day, right? Um, if you ask non-leading questions, right, um, questions that aren't specific about your product, you're going to find out very early on whether this is a problem that they have. 
Um, and if you find that problem, you can very much ask the question, uh, well, how, is that, how much is that worth to you on a monthly basis or an annual basis uh, to have solved? And they'll tell you how much you should charge. They'll tell you what you should build. Um, so, you know, if you follow a traditional customer development process, like Eric Reese talks about in his book, Lean Startup, or Steve Blank talks about in all of his stuff, um, you'll, you'll, their customers will be buying the product uh, before you even build it. And that's the best way to go about it. Um, and if you've already built the product and you're not sure if anybody's going to buy it, you well, go start talking to some customers before you keep building because you're probably building something they don't want. This is so great. So, so because do you find that entrepreneurs come up with ideas that they think are just the greatest thing in the world and then people don't buy it and they're, they're like stumped about why that is. Absolutely. Right. And I've been one of those dummies myself. So like, um, you know, I've been at this for over 20 years. So like I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. Like I suck at being a career person. Um, like I just want to be an entrepreneur. That's all I want to be a CEO. Um, and I've had many uh, great ideas that honestly, now looking back at it, like my last company fuelsy, like what a stupid idea. Like I shouldn't have gone into that space. I shouldn't have tried to go like, I shouldn't have done that. Um, but yeah, it happens. Um, and you know, we have, I think one thing that we forget about as, as humans, right. Is we have these um, cognitive biases that we just as evolution has created, it's really, really hard to kind of overcome. So one of them is confirmation bias, right? Because I think it's true. Well, you know, it's, it's true, right? Kind of stuff like that. So, but usually we're wrong and it's hard for people to accept that they're wrong. Um, so I think a lot of entrepreneurs, unfortunately, waste a lot of their life, their precious time. The one thing that you're never going to get back is time. They waste so much of their time focusing on their problem, what they think is the problem and what they think is the solution, but they never think about, well, who's going to pay me for this? And, you know, that's just, um, that's normal. So if you're doing that, it's okay. Uh, you can seek counseling like I did too. Um, but you, you've got to, you've got to shut up and realize it's not about you. Nobody, and excuse my language, nobody gives a shit about you. Your yeah. customers want to buy a product that solves a problem for them. So, uh, focus on them. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I totally agree with that. So that also sounds like um, doing this customer development that they need to be, that the entrepreneur needs to be flexible and open to hearing what is needed because it, it could be that they, that they have something close and they need to just, you know, adjust, modify in order to have a really marketable product. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, and I'll give people a trick that we use all the time. And I learned this years ago when I was uh, at Kissmetrics. Um, you know, I, I was very fortunate to work with Heaton Shaw and Neil Patel, two of the most famous digital marketers out there. And I learned a lot of tricks of the trade uh, back then with them, which was really, really great. The one of the, the best things that you can do is when you when you first build a product, right, is to one, constantly be talking to your customers and trying to understand, hey, well, how is it going? What are the problems you're facing? And, and focus, obviously, they're all going to tell you, oh, well, it's great and it's good. And try to get them to focus on the stuff that they don't like or the stuff that they really wish they would want to have. And when you're able to get a customer to tell you, like, I would love this feature, a common mistake that people do is they, they, they say, well, that's a fantastic idea. Let me go build that for you. And then they build it entirely for the customer for free, right? So let's say that you're a $20 a month product. Customer tells you about some crazy feature and you're like, oh, they, they're going to like this and they might stick around longer. And then they're like, we'll go build that. 
Well, the, the thing that they typically do is they don't charge the customer for that. They then add it in that customer churns and that feature is now there and they built it only for that customer. One of the things that we learned how to do was is instead of going and building that feature for free is we started asking or telling the customers, hey, listen, that's a really, really good idea for us to be able to get that added to the roadmap and have that prioritize, we really are looking for somebody to be a corporate sponsor. So what we'd be looking for is you to commit to an annual contract with an increase in your contract to help cover some of the costs of this feature that we're going to build for you. Are you open to becoming that corporate sponsor? And if they say no, well, you know that one, that feature is not that valuable. Yeah. They're not willing to pay for it. It doesn't really matter. However, if you have a customer that's like, absolutely, right? And how, how much do you think it's worth uh, over the next 12 months for you? you? Currently pay us $20. Do you think it's worth an additional $60 a month? Um, and these conversations for an entrepreneur the first time I, I get is really, really hard. And you should try to role play. Call me up. We'll do it. But if you're able to get that and get a corporate sponsor, well, they pay for the feature. You then have a feature that somebody paid for you to build, and then you now get to sell it to other people and make additional money for it, but you validated that the feature was actually worth money. And that's that's the difference of a successful product company compared to the product companies that you never hear about and they typically go out of business. That's such a great idea. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I never would have thought of it, but it, it makes so much sense when you say it. Thank so, you. Let's talk about marketing because let's say, okay, someone's done the customer development, they build a product people want. What sort of marketing strategies do you think they should be using so that people then actually buy it? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it really does come down to the type of product that you you're building and um, who is your your target audience. At the end of the day, every target audience is different. And, and I'll use a real world example uh, of how I sold one of my companies to, to get it off the ground. Um, you know, we were selling to small businesses. We were building a Facebook application for small businesses to run contests, promotions, and basically have a website for their business on Facebook. This is uh, 10 years ago or so. So Facebook has changed a lot. There's no more fan pages like there used to be. But we would build these for small businesses. Well, the, the hard part is, is when you're launching a product like that, that's brand new, doesn't even, most people don't even know it exists. It's really hard to like write blog posts and attract those small businesses to something that's brand new. They just don't even know what it is. Um, it's really hard to run PPC ads and try to get small businesses and collect their feedback and know what's going on. So we printed flyers and then we went door to door to all of the small businesses uh, in a multiple regions here in Orlando, um, walked through their downtown corridor and went into each building. I went into each of these buildings in a suit in 85 degrees weather uh, in October uh, 10 years ago. And I went into every business and I asked them uh, if they had a Facebook fan page and started talking with them, showed them the flyers, showed them what it is, showed them the results. And I was able to find out and test whether that product was going to be successful. And we did make some sales from that, which was really, really cool. Um, and we learned that that was a, a good strategy. But that hard sale like that was the only way that we could get in front of the right businesses at the right time and have the right message. Over time, as people became more exposed to this, uh, what these, it was easier for us to do marketing online. We switched to uh, PPC, we switched to SEO and things like that. But for us to launch the product, we had to do door-to-door -door sales. And I think that thing that no entrepreneur in today's market would ever consider doing, right? Mm -hmm. Most right. entrepreneurs are scared to talk to people. Yeah. Um, 
So that path isn't right for everybody. Now, on the flip side, um, if you're a SaaS business, right, to give another example, another one of my companies, UTM.io, um, it is a data governance product for big businesses, but it works for everybody. So if you're making campaign links or uh, UTM links for your business, um, the free plan is great. Go check it out. You can you can use that. But, you know, because we're a freemium to paid model and then we sell to the enterprise, we're talking multi-billion dollar companies pay us for our enterprise plan our strategy has to be much different. So our launch strategy for that was one, we have a great tool, get it out in the market as soon as we can and let people use it. Uh, two, we got it on Product Hunt, which is a really popular tech site to oh, yeah. submit your product. People vote it up or down. Make sure you have a strategy before going into it. You want to you want to look into it first, do your research before you become because if you if you hit number one on Product Hunt like we did, it, it can really be great for your business. Um, so we did that, which got us some promotion. We've put ourselves on Reddit. Um, we also ran an AppSumo uh, promotion. So AppSumo.com. Yeah. Um, we did a promotion through them. Um, and that kind of kicked us off. You know, in AppSumo, we made about 50 Gs from that promotion, which was great. It put some money in the bank. But that was our launch. And, you know, our continual marketing is because it's such a, because we have a freemium model um, and that business type, um, we're heavily focused on SEO, um, content marketing and SEO. So we have multiple free tools online that drive traffic to us, many blog posts that drive traffic to us. Um, and that's how we continuously are launching the product is by uh, doing SEO. So from a marketing perspective, that's a, the big focus over there. So each business is a snowflake, right? You've got yeah. to think about where is my customer? What are they talking about? How do I join that conversation? Um, and then how do I make it so that, that I, I'm solving that customer's problem? And I think a lot of times people get, once again, marketers, as humans, we're selfish. It's, it's, I mean, millions of years of evolution have caused us to be selfish, whether we like it or not. But marketers have a tendency to focus on like, what is it in it for me when they do their marketing? And they really need to start focusing on what is in it, what's in it for the customer and start yeah. explaining that customer's value props and their value points. Um, to, to help launch the product because nobody cares that your product exists. They only care if it solves their business problem. Right, right. That's such a huge point. So let's talk about content marketing because I think most small and mid-sized businesses believe and have been told that that is the way to drive sales, but they don't necessarily know how to create content that drives sales. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. Um, I've been in content marketing for a long time, so I definitely understand the struggle uh, with it. And, you know, I'm while I am a very, very good writer um, and I love to write, I just don't have the bandwidth as a CEO entrepreneur to do it. And that's a problem that most small businesses face. They just don't have the time. Yeah. Um, so I, I can understand that. Um, you know, while that is hard, one strategy that we have definitely used is um, I will record videos and those videos will get transcribed. So I will send a, a video message to a copywriter that we work with. We found them on Upwork. Um, and I will send them audio messages or video messages explaining something, or I'll make a, even on my laptop, I'll make a screencast explaining something and then I'll send it to them. They'll transcribe it and make it into a blog post and help me with that. So there are ways to work around the system uh, and to try to make sure that it happens. But the, the one thing that you really have to focus on with content marketing to, to be successful, right, is you, you have to remember that it is um, content marketing is like a, a lifestyle, right? It's something you do all the time. It's something that you have discipline and you do it even when you don't like it. However, it, it's not a diet, right? You're not going to all of a sudden 
um, write 20 blog posts and then not do it again for the rest of the year and be successful. It is really a consistency thing. So as an entrepreneur or a small business owner, you have to figure out what can you do to be consistent. And if you can't be consistent, you need to hire somebody who can um, or hire a firm who can. But the, the cheapest channel that you're going to have forever to, to maximize your marketing is content marketing. That being said, because it is so valuable, um, it, it can be very, very difficult to do. It does have a lift to it. You've got to get good at it. You've got to figure out your niche with it. You've got to figure out your angle. Um, so it is definitely something where the strategy is more important um, than the actual work itself. Because if you're doing TikTok videos for content marketing, as an example, and your audience isn't there, or you're doing Facebook for social media and promoting your blog posts on, on your website, but you know there's no way, because you're in, you're, let's say that you're a, a small business that does uh, home insurance or auto insurance, right? Let's say you're a state farm agent, right? They're small businesses, uh, as an example they could never compete on a content marketing um, footprint period compared to the big players in the space. So there's, there's almost right. no point for them to try doing content marketing uh, through blog posts and things like that. There's just too much competition. So if they are going to do content marketing, they need to find a different medium or a place where they have a good angle uh, to, to stand out. And that's the really, really hard part about doing it. But if you are going to bite off content marketing, you just have to remember it's a lifestyle change. It's not a diet. You have to be doing it all the time, whether it's monthly, weekly, I don't care if it's quarterly, but it's the, the people who know that this is an endurance uh, race are the ones who win. Got it. At this time, I'd like to take a sponsor break. The Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is happy to be sponsored by audible.com. And I'm sure you know that audible.com has thousands of audiobook titles to choose from, but you might not know about the other content. There's podcasts, Audible Originals, guided meditations. Uh, my favorite thing is to be able to listen to different kinds of things all on the same platform. I think it's a time saver uh, and it's like a productivity uh, hack for me. I don't have to go jumping from one platform to another. Uh, so we're offering you a free trial. You can go to audibletrial.com slash business growth. Sign up for that free trial and then explore on your own. You know, check out the audiobooks, check out the other programs, see what really, you know, resonates with you. Interested in getting some help with your sales strategy? Pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Let's sort of flip it around and talk some about spending money on advertising to sell a product. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's amazing for a lot of channels. I think advertising can do really, really well. The targeting you have with Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and LinkedIn and Google, I mean, you have amazing targeting. So I definitely think if your business can do it, uh, you should. It takes time to figure out. So, I mean, people need to set their expectations correctly. Usually it takes at least three months to get past your testing phase and then really start to get into what's working. Um, and, you know, if your PPC agency is not doing a good job or your person's not doing a good job after three to five months, you should probably start looking elsewhere. Um, but PPC is great. Um, in my business, it's really hard to use, uh, especially in the analytics space. It's just so expensive. Um, so we've actually resorted to direct mail in some situations because we are able to get it much cheaper and has a bigger impact. Um, but PPC is great. I definitely think businesses that are able to take advantage of that because they're able to maximize the clicks uh, and convert those people, I 100% think you should be doing pay-per-click. 
Well, and that's really interesting that you moved to direct mail, which is considered traditional marketing. And right, which just speaks to, it feels like it speaks to what is doable for you and and what your market, uh, you know, how they receive messages. Yeah, I mean, you got everything goes full circle, right? So like, uh, while drift and chatbots became hot, right, for a while, like, um, you know, that's a saturated market now. And PPC, in many cases, is a saturated market. Digital marketing is a saturated marketing market. So, you know, when you when you try to be um, different than everybody else, you really have a big impact. And, you know, who was the last person who received a um, pamphlet in the mail or a flyer in the mail from a tech company like us, right? Usually they're going to get that from an insurance company or a real estate firm or a tradesman. So when they get that, especially at their corporate office, it has a much, much different impact. So we've switched channels a lot. We do a lot now with text messaging, uh, direct mail, things like that. And actually, you know, speaking of direct mail, um, I'll show you. I'd love to give your audience a, a free copy of my book, Build Cool Shit. Um, the book's all about how do you build a modern marketing tech stack and then how do you leverage that tech stack to basically achieve world domination. Um, and it talks about uh, one of our clients, there's a case study in it uh, that features how we sh- we grew their business by 51% in online orders in just 12 months by basically reconfiguring their tools, reconfiguring some of their processes and making it better. Um, and we'll actually mail this book. If you're in the US, we'll mail it directly to you. And this is part of our direct mail offering uh, that we have that we send people. If you pull out your cell phone, you're going to text this number, the word MarTech. So M-A-R-T-E-C-H. Make sure spell check doesn't mess it up because spell check can uh, change it. Uh, But you're going to text this number. The number is 415-915-9011. Again, that number is 415-915-9011. And then text the word MarTech to it. Our texting bot will collect all of your information. Only give it the information it's asking for. Please don't try to send it craziness. Um, and it will te- take all of your information and we have automated shipping and the book will get shipped right out to you in the US. If you're overseas, uh, we'll send you a PDF copy of it. Uh, that being said, um, th- the fact that people get my book right in the mail um, as part of our typical like funnel anyways, outside of this text bot, blows people away, right? Because they're not mm-hmm. used to that. So when you can do that type of stuff, uh, it really does have a meaningful impact. And to be honest, my book uh, is $22 if you buy it. When we print it, it's like $7.50. When we ship it, total cost is about $11 to 12 bucks, right? If you're in the United States, so pretty cheap. You know how much I pay per click? I pay like $40 per click on PPC, and it takes me like 60 clicks to get one really good lead. So when you think about the actual unit economics, I'm, yeah. I, I should be mailing a ton of my books out, right? Like it just, it makes it, and this is like, now you see why it's free people, right? Because I know if I click on a, if you click on a banner ad for me, I'm gonna be paying a crap ton of money uh, and yeah. chances are I won't even get your information. So um, you gotta do the channel that's gonna work for your business. And that's the reason why it's so hard to answer, hey, for a small business, do you need to do PPC? If you can, yeah, I'm a small business. Yeah, I mean, we right. don't, but we can't do PPC just unfortunately because our competition is, willing to just throw money at the problem. Well, so one of the things that I think is great about this conversation is I think a lot of entrepreneurs are feeling relieved that they don't necessarily have to do PPC, right? Because because they're being told that they do, but it it's it can be very expensive. You it, the return on investment can be very small. 
So it's those mm -hmm. competing viewpoints that confuse a lot of business owners. And so I think that's really valuable. I also want to thank you for offering to uh, send the book to all the listeners who text you. I love that concept. I think that is amazing and makes so much sense. Uh, it is a great example of getting outside of the noise and marketing in a way that you can be seen and stand out. Yeah. That's really great. Yeah, you know, I think a, a huge problem that we have in marketing is you've got all these people out there that are selling online courses and selling their hype sauce or their PDF or whatever. And they're telling you, you have to get into this because I made it successful. Um, but that's, you know, I've been at this for a really long time and I've been able to work with thousands of companies in my career. And, you know, every one of them was different. And I could meet literally in uh, the same industry, I could meet five companies that are all unique. They all do the same thing, but their marketing strategy based upon who works there, their company differentiation, who their competitors are, they would all have different marketing strategies. One should be crushing it on PPC, but the other one should be crushing it on SEO. While the other one could be doing a great job in social media. And I think people try to, instead of focusing on what they're good at, their strengths, they try to say, well, shit, I've got to do this because that expert said I have to. Yeah, but if you do something bad, it's it's not going to be good. So like focus on your strengths um, and don't and understand that you don't have to do any of this shit. <laughs> like you, you just have to do marketing and sales one or the other. You don't even have to do both. Yeah. Like um, do what's good for you. You got into this because you wanted to have fun. Don't do it because Ty Lopez told you to do it. Um, so um, excuse my making fun of Ty Lopez, but um, he deserves it at this point. He's killing it. So. You're the one who left to answer for it, not me. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Ty knows what to do. It's okay. Um, so, but I think um, every business is different. And, you know, my competitor, uh, which I have many of them, um, we don't have the same style of marketing. And we, we focus on a total, we focus on brand, we focus on content marketing, and we focus on stories. Um, and our, our competitors are doing PPC ads, right? And that's just not our model. And that's because I'm not good at PPC. I don't like PPC. So um, that's my personal preference. So as a business owner, you get that choice. That's right. why you became a business owner. Right, exactly, exactly. So, so talk to me some about referral programs. First of mm -hmm. all, do you think they're, do you think they work? And second of all, if you do think they work, how would you suggest someone go about creating one? Yeah, you know, referral programs can work. Okay, that's the key thing. It's not going to work for everybody. And, you know, I've built multiple very, very successful referral programs in the past. So I definitely understand some of the, the frameworks that you need to use. But it's, it's, they can be really, really hard to get off the ground. So every business really has to consider how do they, they set them up. When you, when you first want to choose a referral program, what you have to first focus on is how do I make it so that my customer wants to tell another customer about my business? Um, and that's really what you have to focus on first. And again, you should go back to customer development. Um, you should be asking your customers, like, what about our service is your, your favorite thing? Um, and let them answer the question. And they may say uh, feature one, right, as an example. And then you would say, so whenever you're done leveraging my service and you were to talk to one of your friends about the work that we do or the work we've done for you, what would you point out to them? And that, well, you know, feature one is what I like, but I'd probably tell them about feature five and feature six. 
Okay, great. Well, now you know what is most valuable to them to share with their customers, right? So you need to focus on that. And then, of course, you would probably ask the question, so if I was to offer you some sort of incentive um, to, to tell your friends about us, uh, and maybe I offered them an incentive too, so that way they had some something for you, what, what would be a good incentive, right? Your customers will answer these questions. It might get a little awkward, but that's okay. You need this information. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's important to collect from them. But the thing that I'll, I'll say is referral programs work best when it's a reciprocal referral program. What does that mean? Well, um, let's say that I'm a ice cream shop, right? So every time I uh, refer a new customer uh, to your business, I get something in return too. Now, these are harder to track, but as an example, if I give somebody a coupon for a free ice cream cone and they join the loyalty program, I will also get a free ice cream cone, which is debited back to or credited back to my loyalty program. So the reason why reciprocal is so good is because one, of course, I want to give my friend something. Uh, they get something, but I also get something if they use it too. Oh man, that's great. Um, those those types of programs are really really effective. They, they can be harder to set up, uh, especially for a small business who's brick and mortar. There are of course products and platforms that help you with that. There's products like Square has a loyalty program. Uh, Five Star has a loyalty program you can use. Um, but those reciprocal ones are, are the best. And you know, Dropbox is most well known for this because if you sign up, you get 500 megabytes for free. If you invite a friend, they'll get an additional 500 megabytes for free, which would mean they would get one gig after they sign up. And then if they join, you also get 500 megabytes for free. And you can do that up to a certain amount to the point where you have like six gigs of data or whatever. This is a reciprocal program. Sean Ellis, the original growth hacker, uh, is a buddy of mine. He actually built that program, uh, and I, amazing guy. We stole that program and used it at another company, CodeSchool.com, where I worked. Um, and you know, the model is not easy to figure out. You, it really took us about six months of figuring out the marketing automation, figuring out well how how much reciprocation will they allow? Or how do we prevent people from hacking the system? But after about a six months of tweaking and tweaking and tweaking, uh, we were basically able to double our user base every month uh, that was coming in through that referral program. So every single month, wow. one user would turn into two and then it continued to grow. It ended up becoming so successful that we had to kill the program because we just we were doing too good as a business. We no longer needed all of the users uh, and we had to shift our strategy. Um, so a referral program can work really, really good, but it, it's something you have to work at. Again, um, I think the common misconception with marketing is that if I build it, they will come. And really in marketing, you have to build it and then you have to iterate and you have to continue to iterate. And even when it's up and successful and crushing it, you have to keep iterating. Um, it just, it is definitely, people change very quickly. Um, as we saw with COVID, right? Everybody changed in a matter of a year. Everybody's different. Um, so referral programs can be extremely successful, um, but I, I will say they can be difficult, right? In landscaping, as an example, referral business in landscaping can be extremely difficult because it's not a problem that you talk to your neighbor about, right? Um, yeah, right. So there are things where it can be a little more difficult, but in, in a lot of industries, they can work really good. And to be tr- uh, the ice cream example, I actually had a client roll out. Uh, we rolled it out through text messages. Uh, you could give somebody a free ice cream cone via text message. This was a way that we prevented people from hacking the system. We could track which phone numbers have already received a free ice cream cone. We could also see what phone numbers have already received their free ice cream code so they couldn't de- uh, double up. Um, and that was all using a texting uh, bot system uh, through a POS. So the examples I'm giving you are real. <laughs> They're not uh, just made up here. These are things that I, I've rolled out in real businesses. 
So I, I love these ideas. And the question that comes to my mind is, how does a business owner identify the right tool? N not necessarily should I be texting or should I be whatever, but let's say they decide to text. There are so mm. many programs out there. How do they identify the one that is right for them and their business? Is there some sort of like checklist? Yeah, there, you know, there's not an one, I think you should build a checklist. Um, I talk about this in my online course, I have a course at cxl.com that talks about how do you choose tools and things like that. And the first step that you want to go through is you do want to figure out what are your needs? What are your objectives, right? What am I trying to accomplish? Uh, what are the results I'm hoping to be able to deliver with whatever I'm doing? And then what are the key features it's going to take for me to accomplish that? I think most people go look at tools and then, um, look at another tool and then go like try to figure out what their needs are after they've looked at the tools should probably start out with what your needs are first and build a list. Um, and then as you learn about these tools, then write down what are the specific features they have that the other ones don't and make sure you track what features uh, tools don't have. The first thing that we always focus on when picking tools and we do this as a business and Magal.io, our agency, this is probably 30% of our business is helping you choose tools. Um, you know, the first thing that we always do is what is our strategy and objective? And then what are the tools that will help us accomplish that strategy and objective? Okay, that's thing one. Let's make sure that we have a, a true business case here. The next thing that we look at is, is this tool able to be managed by my team? If I have to hire a consultant to manage this tool, how much does the consultant cost? If mm -hmm. I, uh, a team member of my team was to be able to use this, if I lost that team member, how hard would it be to find another resource which would be able to run this tool for me? Oh. Or can I even run this tool myself? People tend to forget they have to use the tool. Just because the tool does all this stuff doesn't mean it does it easily. It doesn't mean that you can do it. So you have to really understand the question of, can I do this? And don't, don't buy the tool, then find the consultant. Find the consultant, find the person who can run it, then buy the tool. We, you know, we get brought into a lot of deals where, oh, we bought this tool for $700,000 and nobody here knows how to use it. Can you guys help us? And we're like, yeah, in like four months. Like, well, what are we supposed to do for four months? I don't know, it's not my problem. Like, you're the dumbass who bought the tool. Um, <laughs> like, I got, I got stuff going on. Um, so either way, um, you, first, you do an assessment of your team. Can they run it? Because products yeah. like Salesforce Marketing Cloud, as an example, finding people who know how to use it, oh my God, is extremely difficult. Yeah. And finding anybody who knows how to do it is extremely expensive. But if you used customer.io, you would have a nearly exact same outcome, uh, except for you would have marketers who could use the tool. So second thing I would focus on is the team uh, that is ultimately doing it. And then the third one that we always focus on is if it does a good job with our needs assessment, so meets our objectives, is able to deliver on our strategies. We compare tools against each other to see that. Okay, great. Can our team actually use the tools, whittle the tools down based upon needs, and then as well as the thing. The last thing that we really highly recommend to make sure that a tool is good at is integration. For the modern marketing stack, the modern business, you need your tools to share their data with other tools. So if the product has no integrations, um, you know, you should probably see if other tools in this space have integrations, whether that be through Zapier or Salesforce, whatever. But integration really, really matters because when tools can play together or when you can automate things, well, guess what? As a business owner, you can focus on more important things. You can automate something. So I would say integration is the third thing that we typically focus on with companies. Um, and that would be how we would uh, choose a tool. Those are the three primary criteria. That is so great. And I'm so glad you said the thing about the integration, because that is something I hear a lot from small business owners that they're 
they're doing double work, you know, that it isn't um, intuitive the way these programs work. And so they, they're not getting what they really need out of it. And it's creating more work instead of less. Yeah. The tools are hard, you know, especially if you're not tech, if you're not a tech person, like I'm very, very fortunate that, you know, my mom was a computer science major and I grew up on a computer, right? At five years old, I was, I was typing MS-DOS to play games on a computer. So I'm lucky that I'm technical. Um, And it's something that I've had to work on my entire life to stay technical, right? And be up to speed. But I do understand what it's like for somebody who is not as technical to try to leverage even a laptop, right? Um, so uh, I definitely know there's a lift there and it can be really, really hard. That's where, you know, you have to find trusted advisors uh, yeah. and I would not trust anybody. Um, you know, you can find a lot of people on Upwork to do good work for you, but they need a lot of direction. If yeah. you don't give somebody good direction, um, they're going to create something you didn't want. And that's, that's hard as a business owner is to tell somebody what you want when you don't even know what they're doing. And then for them to come back and give you what you want, you know, that can be really, really difficult. So um, the biggest thing that we try to tell business owners and help them out is you're struggling with this. One, go hire a contractor, Upwork's a great place, freelancer.com, whatever it may be, but show them somebody else's program that you wanna copy. Go find something that you like, that you want to do, and just tell them to copy it. Um, that's gonna be your fastest path. Don't be afraid, I mean, don't be afraid to copy somebody. That's all I do. Like, literally, I, I invent like one thing a year. Everything else is I'm stealing from somebody else. That's how it all works. So get, use inspiration from, hey, I really like what this company's doing. Can you go through their flow? And then have them build that uh, and you'll come out with a better outcome. Um, But don't always try to do it yourself because, I mean, unless you're like me and a tinkerer, you'll get pretty frustrated pretty quickly. My gosh, Dan, this is such great information. And I would love it if you would um, share a couple of things with the listeners. One, where they can find that online course about tools. Two, how they find you. And... um, and then repeat about getting the book, if you would. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, the So one, if uh, I would love to meet anybody who has any questions or anything like that. You can always go to magaw.io. So my last name is M-C-G-A-W dot I-O. Uh, there's no R in my last name. Everything that I told you today, there is content on our website uh, that helps you with that. If you scroll to the bottom, you can go to our resources section. Um, and we literally have a webinar for almost everything on there. Uh, our blog has a ton of great content, which will help you out as well. Um, if you're interested in uh, checking out my course, I do have an online course. It's at CXL.com. So uh, CXL is a uh, online university. Uh, if you go to their technical courses and their marketing uh, technology courses, you'll be able to find my course uh, on their site as well. And then for my book, you know, I gave the text option earlier for all of you listening. Rewind, you can get the text number uh, back there. I'll, I'll make you do some work for it. But if you just go to buildcoolshit.com, um, you'll be able to go to our website and you can order the co- a copy directly on our website as well if you want to text out or test that texting bot just just rewind a little bit i know you know how to do it um or just go to buildcoolshit.com and if you really want to talk to me the best place to go is linkedin i'm most active on linkedin just look up dan mcgaw uh, i love getting in mail i love getting connections uh, if you spam me i will spam you back um, but uh, i look forward to being able to actually help you with your questions uh, on linkedin Oh, it's so great. Thank you. I really appreciate you being here and explaining these things. It is a lot, but um, I know I took away some very specific ideas and things. So uh, I'm confident that the listeners have as well. 
So, you know, thanks for spending some time and teaching all of us. It was my pleasure. And thank you so much for having me. It was an honor to be here. And I hope I was able to help some folks uh, listening now. And uh, I wish you all the best. Excellent. Thank you. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, but my life? Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analyst Sela Shifre Partners, is to provide public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines. And what better way to dive into these mechanics and hosting Wall Street analysts themselves to discuss the newest trends in finance firsthand? Well, on our show, we bring you real perspectives from the front line. Hearing these analysts give commentary has made our listeners much more well-versed on the financial markets. This approach to discussion allows our listeners to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcasts.